Welcome to the Wolf Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and on today's show, we have a returning guest. I asked you guys to tell me about what was important about your horses and horsemanship, and one of the things you asked about was getting your horses legged up for the riding season ahead. They've been off all winter doing nothing but sleeping and eating, kind of like me, but now it's time to go to work. So I asked my friend, author, horseman, and hunter Sam Finden in Townsend, Montana, to come on the show and tell me what he does to get his horses in shape. Sam's on the phone with me via Skype. Good morning, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. I, I'm really liking the new direction of the podcast. They're very uh, very informative and quick, and I really like it, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for doing this. So let's get right to it, Sam. You, you use your horses for hunting. Uh, how do you get them in shape, and what kind of riding terrain are you, are you getting them in shape for? Well, we're not too far off the Continental Divide here in Montana. It's kind of uh, central, south-central Montana, I suppose. Uh, we're between Bozeman and Helena, if anybody knows where that is. It, it's picturesque, rocky mountains, and then all the towns, it seems like, are in the river valleys between them. So gentle slopes up to the steep and deep stuff and the black timber. And what we'll do is... Come hunting season, the, the goal is to be able to pack out an animal if we get one there. Get Save your legs a little bit so you can, you can be fresh when you hunt on foot so you ride, ride some steep terrain. But mm. we start out, you know, on the flat. We start, we all live down low. At the house here, we've got a round corral, and that's generally where we get going on uh, getting them legged up for the season. So you start in the round pan then? One of the things when we moved to this place, I, I built a 60-foot round pen, which is a little bit too big, I think, but it allows every horse I've put in there to, to get a full lope in, and even the ones that are a little sticky. It's got solid sides for safety. It's made out of wood. It's six feet tall. I put a bunch of good footing in there, good sand and fill, and it, it's a place that we can feel safe, particularly Mindy, my wife. I, I love it when I come home and in the springtime and she'll say, oh, I worked my horse today. And I, I know that she was safe and I was safe and, and the horse was safe. And it, it's really nice to have that little bit of security. It, it was worth all the effort it took to put it in, that's for sure. I saw a photo of it. It looks great. Now, when you start out, uh, do you have like a routine? I'm going to start out with a 10 or 15 minute section today. And then do you work up every day or do you give them breaks in between? Well, boy, you, you know, you would hope uh, the best laid plans, right? Right. I'd, I'd like to work with them for a half hour every day and then progressively after a week I'd go to an hour and then this and that. But life gets in the way. So you do the best you can when you can. And our horses are older. We've got two that are 19 and then my, my old horse, Chance the Bay Wonder, he's 23. So I ease them into it a little bit because they've just been basically a manure processing facility for, <laughs> you know, four months or whatever. Since the end of hunting season, it ends right around the start of December. And maybe I get one ride in in the winter when we get that one warm day. Uh, but usually we got a million other projects to do. But we know, OK, warm weather's coming and uh, we got to start messing with them. 
so the first couple days we just do the groundwork you know that you and i connected over the down under horsemanship method and i i'm a pretty firm believer in the theory behind that as far as getting the horse to to be respectful you know the lunging for respect and all of that stuff and getting them to yield and flex and things like that and that's all stuff you can do and be safe and they don't you know, you don't have to be on them, so you're not going to get pitched on your head the first couple of days because really, you're out of shape too, or I'm out of shape at least uh, come winter. And so it's good to chase them around the round pen a little bit and monkey with them every time you halter them, every time you grab them, and maybe you work them for 15, 20 minutes a couple times, and hopefully you get a good stretch of weather where you can do it a few days in a row. But I don't push them too hard because I don't want to. You know, they're they're sore. Right. After the first day, even, you know, they've been walking around and maybe trotting, but it's it's slippery footing in the winters. They're not running anywhere. It's cold. Their muscles are stiff just like ours. Yep. You just get them stretched out a little bit yeah. and, and kind of get them back in the right frame of mind. Like, okay, uh, I have to earn my keep. Yeah, I think that's a lot to it, too, is that they've been off for however long time. I'll, I'll defend them. It's more of a fertilizer manufacturing company than a manure processor because fertilizer has some value to it. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been off and they really haven't had to pay attention to you other than to look at you and say, hey, where's my feed? And so when you finally get back into them, they might be a little bit disrespectful. Older horses, maybe less so, but younger horses have been going, hey, I'm hungry. And then you feed them. They think they kind of start thinking they're the boss, you know, and and oh, I, for I, sure. I think getting their mind back is a, a big a part of what you what you do in those early days. When you take your horses out for that first ride, is, is it just pretty much just to get out there and, and road test them, see where they're at? I'll get on them a couple times in their own corral. Mm-hmm. We'll work with them. You know, you, you do the groundwork and then. Uh, at this point, we pull shoes in the winter because mm-hmm. there's no need for them to have shoes. I mean, it's it's nice because we got some rocks in the pasture, so we'll we'll keep shoes on pretty late. But generally, about the first of the year, we'll pull shoes and just kind of let them blow out a little bit. I think that's good for them. Right. You know, we're not riding them over rocks, but one of our issues then is you kind of have a an hourglass that's dripping sand out of it before you need the shoes again. Right. I've given up on shoeing my own horses for a while so that means scheduling the farrier to come out and so it's kind of a timing thing and we'll ride them in the round crowd because i know they're not getting they're not going to get chipped up or anything on that soft sand and then once we get the shoer here the farrier then we'll start to take a little longer rides and and it's just very brief go out a little bit uh maybe go a mile or two come back we we're fortunate that we can ride from the house. Like I know you and Renee right. have a, a nice setup with that canal or whatever it is mm-hmm. behind your place. And it's really great. We've got a railroad easement behind us and you can line out for a couple of miles and just get them going forward. Get them, get them past that thinking they need to get back to the feed bunk and the hay feeder, <laughs> you know, work with them, get them out there, get them comfortable and come back. And then we'll progressively go a little further we'll alternate it where we do one or two horses or we'll take all three even enlisted the neighbor to come out and just let's all three go and we're going up to that 
gate, which is, you know, three or four miles away. And then we're coming back. It, it was a bonus because I got to spend good time with my neighbor who's an old cowboy. Right. And uh, he's horseless right now. His old old gelding uh, had to be put down, colicked and died. So oh. he was wishing he could ride. And I said, well, we just happen to have one. I, I tell people, they always say, oh, I wish I had a horse. I say, you need a friend with a horse because right. <laughs> it's way better. But with that said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know. uh, are, do you have some of those horses that you actually put a pack on or as you're riding them, the stuff you're carrying for your hunting expedition is at on your on your saddlebags and stuff. How much do you have a pack horse? I guess that's the question. Yeah, generally the ultimate goal is to go into the woods with one riding horse and a couple of pack horses, and your buddy has the same thing. Right. And uh, you can bring your camp in, you know, which includes a, a wall tent that weighs, you know, up to a hundred pounds the stove and all your cook gear and everything and go in for a few days or a week or whatever. And then come rifle season, which is October, middle of October, generally, then you're going to be worried about feed for the horses as well. Cause there's not grass anymore. So you got to pack a bale of hay or some pellets or something in there. And, and so the idea is to bring, you know, your saddle horse in your saddlebags. You just have your water and your, Hopefully not your cell phone in case you get bucked off. You want to have that on you. Right. But just your essentials and your your rifle and a scabbard, and then the rest of the camp, rest of your gear, is on a pack horse. And so it's it's good for us to go out and pony one, uh, you know, just lead it beside and and get it accustomed to not pulling back and not dilly dallying, just following you. And then I like to switch them too because you never know which which horse is going to be, you know, they they step on something or they're sore or they throw a shoe and pretty soon you got to ride your pack horse and you got to pack your riding horse and it's it's good to have versatile horses and we've only got the 3 so they've all got to be able to do everything. Yeah. I imagine you plan your trips so the easier easier ones are at the beginning of the season and then as the season goes through, uh, they get breaks in between obviously, but they they get a little bit tougher as well. The trips. That's the idea. Yeah, we've opened up, like a lot of people, I'm sure, you open up the calendar to a, a date or a, a month, and next thing you know, it's all full of stuff, and hopefully you put some riding trips on there. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. I, I just have taken to leaving my calendar closed so that it doesn't fill up. But we do do a little, you know, when somebody suggests going for a ride, it's like, well, how far would it be if we're going to go for an overnight? Like, we've got a a good overnight planned in the middle of July and it's pretty steep. I know the terrain I've been up there and I'm like, okay, that's the benchmark for where they need to be at that point. So figure they need to be able to go for two and a half days, two full days and a half day of, you know, fooling around and riding to different lakes and fishing and stuff. But that's, you know, probably uh, 15 miles in a day. Well, then that's a pretty good measure for the the area that we're hunting come hunting season, but you'd have to probably be able to do that every day. So it's kind of like a marathon runner working up their distance. Right. You got to figure out how far you can go in one shot and then how long it takes to recover and then slowly, not necessarily during the marathon, but 
in the training leading up to the marathon, you know, can I do a half every other day or this or that? And so we're, we're trying to figure out how, how much they can handle without, they're going to be stiff and sore, but I don't want to make them hurt. Right. If that makes sense. It does. And then it also gives you a chance to kind of get in shape too, because from a winter start trying to ride 15 miles is, is not only hard on the butt, it's also hard on the bones and the muscles that if you're riding properly, trying to keep your balance, that, that you can you can come off the horse pretty stiff yourself, especially when we're not getting old, but we are getting older. So well, every year <laughs> I feel it. And like you say, you're only as young as you young as, or as old as you let yourself be. But I wake up I get that second day sore after a long ride yes, where yeah. the first day I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good. And then you wake up the next day and it's like, oh, what's that? I can't even waddle over to the coffee pot to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's okay. And, you know, there's there's other things that we, it's not just their legs and their muscles that we're trying to condition them for. But, like, one thing this year, I noticed they've got their winter fat on and they've got a lot of hair and I galled my old horse chance to bay wonder there uh he's pretty round and uh i i screwed it down pretty tight on him and then i was brushing him for the next you know the next ride and he was kind of flinchy and cinchy and i got to looking and yeah sure i had i had put the cinch ring it, it had just rubbed in into his fat a little bit and yeah, he's got yeah. good withers i didn't think i had it that tight but i guess when you're just flabby Right. It, it doesn't take much, you know, it was like a blister. So I switched to a different cinch, a neoprene where it covered the rings instead of a mohair where the rings were uh, exposed, you know, exposed. Yeah. And that made it more tolerable for him because you don't want them to associate the the saddle with pain. Right. And I kind of kicked myself for not noticing it sooner and i guess the best you, all you can do is just do better the next time that's it you know but it's it's really that's where it pays to to brush them down afterward you know a lot of times we do the old cowboy thing where we pull the saddle off and just kick them out in the pasture and let them go roll right and it, it's a little better to just spend some time and inspect them and pick their feet back up and make sure they didn't pick any you know pick up a rock or anything like that and and just love on them a little bit all that stuff even if you got 10 minutes, especially in the springtime, halter them up, take them out in the yard, let them graze on the, the sweet grass that's growing up finally. And then up here, it's we'll say, oh, we're getting good green grass. And then it'll snow the next day. But <laughs> just the way it is, you know, all that catching and almost what you do in the middle is not as important as the act of just getting them to come catch, have a positive experience and send them out again. Right. Keep, keep them wanting to do it a little bit more. Any other tips that you might have for us? Well, I would say that the, something that I noticed this year was the pad setup and the bridle setup. What worked last fall when they were in shape and I was using them isn't necessarily going to work perfectly when they're, they've come off of a winter of eating you out of house and home. Maybe that's not the case for people in warmer climates or people that are tougher than I am and ride all year round. Uh-huh. I mean, when it's 20 below, um, unless I'm getting paid for it, I'm not going out riding. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> we sit off and, and the, the horses are in the barn and we're in front of the fire. And naturally, the saddle 
doesn't quite fit right. Maybe they're, you know, they're still growing, their teeth are growing, they're this and that. And maybe that bit that you were using on this certain notch in the bridle last last fall doesn't quite work out. You know, maybe you need to loosen it one one hole for a little while, or maybe, you know, I had to add another real small three eighths pad to chance because he got a little bit older and a little, his back got a little deeper and right. it's, it made all the difference. So I would say it's not, it's not a car that a horse isn't a car that just runs the same every time. Right. You got to really pay attention to what they're doing. Well, that's good advice. Well, that's, yeah. that's great. Those are some great thoughts, Sam. I'm sure that uh, people will appreciate what you do to get your horses in shape. I imagine that you probably spent your winter doing a lot of your riding because I noticed that in February you, you finished your Dan Foss series with Grizzly Bear Challenge. Yep, yep. Well, you got, uh, we put out Grizzly Bear Gamble, uh, which is oh, the Gamble, third right? in... Yeah. yeah, that's all right. We're we're big on alliteration around here. I took my glasses we, off. Uh, I can't read my notes. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> it was kind of a, a good old-fashioned winter here. It took a while getting here, but then there wasn't a lot pulling you outside other than to go feed and, you know, occasionally you had to go for groceries and stuff. But, yeah, we got uh, the third book in that series out, the series about a predator hunter for hire, a fellow who goes around the West and hunts dangerous game. Two out of the three books, he's a pack a packer. He's riding horses and leading mules and and there's a lot of interaction with the horses and mules. And that's the sort of stuff I like to think about. You know, my my buddies and I, no matter what we're doing, we're looking at different lines that you could, oh, I think you could get a horse up that ridge over there. And you could probably tie up right there and hunt down this way. And it, it's kind of a sickness, but <laughs> I get to write about that stuff. And, and I think it comes through in the books, you know, if somebody's into that sort of thing riding in the mountains they'll probably get something out of it even if they're not into hunting but yeah we've we're working hard and it's funny you know we talk about trying to trying to make time for the horses and oh i'm gonna do it every every day for 15 minutes every day for a half an hour and then progressively get well life gets in the way everybody's got life that yes. that comes up and we've got a bunch of book sales and and shows uh, where I go around and meet people and and trying to fit different jobs and work in between that. Sometimes, unfortunately, your horses don't get the attention you'd like to give them. But it's really great to be around people that inspire you to make the most of that time when you do get it. So that on a Saturday when the rain stops for an hour and you're like, I'm going to go grab my horse and I'm going to ride him. And even if you do nothing but hop on him bareback and ride him around the yard, that's better than nothing. Yeah. And, and they're getting more broke. And that, they either get, I got a buddy who says they either get worse or better every day. Yeah. And so as long as you mess with them, they'll get, they won't get worse. They won't like, get worse. Okay. That's a good, good rule. Well, this has been great fun. It's it's always good to catch up with you, Sam. I appreciate you taking time from your your author's schedule to come on and, and share your thoughts with my audience. Well, thanks for having me, John. I, I really appreciate it, and I look forward to hearing more from you and Renee and, and this uh, new version of the podcast. I love it.
Thanks. And if people want to find out more about your books, can we send them somewhere? Yeah, the best uh, best way to go is to go to my website. It's www.sampenden.com. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, John. It's always great talking to Sam. You know, we met when he emailed me after listening to the podcast and said he wanted to talk about horses. He's a pretty easy guy to talk to. He's friendly. It's one of those guys that you can talk to and you feel like you've known him a long time. And it's great to see that over the years his writing has improved and he's really getting some success now as an author. I'd encourage you to check out samfinden.com and see what he has to offer. If you have a story, there's several ways we can share it. You can send it to me in an email, address it to john at wopodcast.com. You can record it, send me the file, or we can set up a time and I'll record it on Skype. I want to know about your horse. Share with the audience the tough lessons you've learned and maybe make it a little bit easier for the other horse owners that are coming along. It could be anything. It can be challenges, victories, tips, or if you just have a good story. Here's a place you can share it with other horse lovers, and I'd love to hear it. That'd do it for this show. You can find all our episodes at wopodcast.com, and you can get them anywhere. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, just about anywhere you can find a podcast. If you can't find them there, you can always find them at wopodcast.com. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll never miss an episode. In the coming weeks, I want to talk about vaccinations. What shots do you give your horse? How often? Where do you give them? What happens if your horse has a reaction? Let me know what you do in your part of the country. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. I'm looking at the May download numbers, and they've really gone up. And I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends and riding buddies. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.